It's the David Glenn Show. Hello, everybody. Mike Maniscalco filling in for David Glenn here this fine afternoon. Hope you're all enjoying it. It is Monday, September 30th. Tomorrow's my wife's birthday. Happy birthday, wife. Didn't forget about it. It's now on, on tape, as they'd say. So we're all good. And really, now I don't need to get a gift. I have wished her birthday wishes. She turns whatever age she feels she wants to be tomorrow. Right answer. Thank you. Alongside producer extraordinaire Darren Vaught and intern Will from Peace College. We got a lot to get to, depending on your perspective. A fantastic weekend, a not-so-fantastic weekend. Moral victories, but there are no such things as moral victories in the sports world. No. We have become a society of absolutes. You take the number one team to the nation, to the wire, and lose by one, that used to be, hey, for an unranked team, a sign of a building block. For some people, you're a loser today. I'm going to go with the building block. I choose to end September with nothing but positivity. Much like you could look at what happened down in Tallahassee for NC State as a major disappointment, which it was. You lose 31-13 to a Florida State team, which ain't my Florida State, not the team that I grew up with watching or that just rolled through the ACC. But when you look at how good that NC State defense was, there's glimmers, there's things that you look at, but you don't ever want to start conference play 0-1 against a team that I didn't think I would ever say this in anyone's lifetime, is beatable on the road. Florida State. They are. Then, Friday night, maybe, just maybe, Duke wants that rematch with Alabama now. <laughs> uh, by the way, can we stop doing that, college sports fans everywhere? Stop the we want Bama signs. Just stop it. Nobody wants Bama. Not even Bama's second team wants to play Bama. That being said, what a win for David Cutcliffe and company in another place where you do not go and win, let alone win by 35 in Blacksburg, Virginia Tech. Enter Sandman, yes, because that's something that every Hokie fan wants to never have a dream about ever again. Knock them out. That didn't happen. Wake Forest and the claw fence continues to roll. Dave Clawson. He's got an undefeated Wake Forest squad. They go up to Boston College, and you don't go into the home of Doug Flutie. Now, you can do whatever you want. I don't care about that. But 27-24 uh, winners for Wake. App State, is it any coincidence that the David Glenn Traveling Road Show was in the mountains this weekend, and you folks had to deal with a natural disaster of sorts? <laughs> a lightning storm that stopped it for two hours in the first quarter between App State on their way to a convincing victory over Coastal Carolina 56-37. I'm just covering all the football scores from the weekend as best I can right now, Darren, uh, because I'm going to give people a little peel back the curtain because I do not work in radio anymore, only when I get called in over the bench for this one. Normally, I'm just a healthy scratch sitting in the, the press box watching all this, but I get pressed into duty every now and again. That's a hockey term, by the way. For those of you who are tuning into the David Glenn Show today, uh, you had NFL football, some surprises, and one that continues to surprise, the Carolina Panthers. They are undefeated 
with Cam Newton not quarterbacking this team. <gasps> Cue it up, baby. Let's get the quarterback controversy rolling. And if you want to buy into that, don't. Uh, just don't. But the Panthers' defense is something you want to buy into. Christian McCaffrey, I'm going to make a bold statement about Christian McCaffrey right now. He's the MVP in this league. Is there anybody who does more for their team than what Christian McCaffrey does? It's a serious question. I know how great Pat Mahomes is in Kansas City, uh, and, and he's playing video game football. I don't care if you want to tell me it's the 2K brand or the Madden. I preferred Madden. It's just what he's doing is silly, and it is. But Christian McCaffrey, what he has done, and nobody out there can tell me that you truly expected him to be this good in the NFL. I thought he was going to be good. You know, the people who were like, you know, wrinkling their nose. Oh, you know, really? He's just a, he's a gimmick player. He can't, he can't run between the tackles. He can. And you know the best part about it? He doesn't have to because he can run outside the tackles for a lot of yards. Ten catches yesterday, too. Um, but we got plenty to get into. Again, David Glenn is off today. I don't know if the Lightning in Boone had anything to do with that. <laughs> this was previously scheduled. Yeah, no, sure, no, no. sure, <laughs> sure, sure, Darren. I believe you. But when intern Will gets the chuckle going on, I feel that I'm on to something. I watched a lot of Scooby-Doo. I know how to solve these mysteries. It's what it all comes down to. Uh, that is the football side of the fence. You know what? It's almost October, and I'm still one of those old guys who I love baseball. It's slow, and I can sit in the stands and get a tan and drink beer. Why is that a bad thing? Uh, but October baseball is finally here. Well, I say finally. We're a day away from it. Cannot wait for the Major League Baseball playoffs to get into. By the way, allow me to do my Larry King. I love the Astros. <laughs> How are you going to touch that pitching? So, a few other things that we could. Wow, two, two impressions right off the bat. I'm done, Vaught. I'm out. I have nothing left to give, and we still have, like, two hours and 50 minutes of the show. But there's so much intrigue. Like, who are you going to bring out next? <laughs> we got time, don't we? Can't wait. Uh, also, the Carolina Hurricanes, for those of you who do not know my day job, I am an employee for the Carolina Hurricanes. I also work with Fox Sports Carolinas on the TV broadcast. If you've seen this face, you automatically think, oh, yeah, put that on TV. By the way, I want to thank the new video board at PNC Arena if you have not seen the new video board at PNC Arena, get to a game, go see it. It's amazing. But also, if your children are acting up, you can give them nightmare fuel when they put this face on that video board. <laughs> it's frightened me. It's my face. I see it every day. Well, at least, you know, can't avoid that one. But the Carolina Hurricanes, they lose their preseason finale to the Washington Capitals yesterday in the afternoon, but it was the Caniac Carnival. For those of you who are not familiar with hockey, the Canes like to have a big blowout at the end of the preseason where fans get to come into the game. There was an electric atmosphere around it. There's a different feeling around this team, and there's lots of reason to it. I'm going to talk about that heavily today. I lean on that. But this is also, as it's come to my understanding from listening to my good friend David Glenn, that this is a Monday, and that means best and worst of the weekend. And you know what's awesome on days like today, when we had a finish like we had in Chapel Hill? You have a chance for us to all be armchair general managers and quarterbacks. And you know what the worst thing about 
today and this weekend is everyone is an armchair general manager and quarterback today for what happened. We'll get into that coming up. We'll also get into NC State because on the guest list today, sorry, Darren, I'm going to reveal instead of doing the intrigue. I can do the tease coming up in five minutes. I'm going to tell you what's going to come up in five minutes after that. That's one of my all-time favorite radio things. We'll be robust. Talk about singers. No, we got a lot of football to get into. Uh, Joe, Joe Giglio from the News and Observer going to talk some NC State football with us. It's not so much a quarterback controversy for Dave Dorn and NC State, but a quarterback conundrum. It's a big word early on. I'm pulling out all the stops because I was told as I pull back the curtain, we were not going to have the use of the phones today. There would be no guests. There would be no calls, no interaction. And guess what? I roll in. I'm like, Darren, that's fine. I've done this before. I'll do it again. I've got plenty planned to get through this. And then Darren goes, I think we're good. So we're going to test that theory coming up if the phone lines work with you for best and worst of the weekend. Also, if you want to know what goes into a TV broadcast, like when you're watching it and you're like, why are they showing the goalie? The puck's over here. We'll talk to the director for Fox Sports Carolina's Paul Hemming. Or why are they, why are they zooming in on the coach? The play's going on. That, I can tell you, I always blame the pr- – no, I, we'll get into that a little bit later. Also, we'll talk Carolina Hurricanes with Michael Smith, the intrepid web reporter for your Carolina Hurricanes. Kevin Donnelly. He is from the Panthers Radio Network, their sideline reporter, heck of an offensive lineman in his day. He's going to break down why the Panthers' defense has been so good these last two weeks and what's going on with the quarterback position. Jones Angel, voice of the North Carolina Tar Heels, all-around good guy, is going to join us as well. That's in the 2 o'clock hour. So we've got you covered there. And now is my chance where I tell you, because it is the best and worst of the weekend, if you've got your best, your worst, you let me know. 1-800-849-2761. 1-800-849-2761. What was the best thing you saw this weekend? What was the worst thing you saw this weekend? There was plenty for us to get to. And uh, we'll start off with a little bit of the what we're seeing in the college ranks here in the state of North Carolina right here on the David Glenn Show. Kevin Harlan is joining us. It was a boring game, and the guy ran out right through the formation as if he was a wide receiver <laughs> to be a part of the play. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. You always think of calling that dramatic last-second buzzer-beating shot or a touchdown pass or, or something more historic. This is the David Glenn Show. Now with Williams to his right, hands it to him. Javante. That's a Touchdown. Touchdown. Touchdown, Carolina. The officials had to come in and look. But Williams knocks it in, and the Tar Heels are going for two. That is Jones Angel on the North Carolina Tar Heel Radio Network. Darren Vaught throwing some rush at me. I know it's Canadian. I cover a bunch of them, Darren. Always look for the symmetry in the music with what Darren's doing. I'm throwing out all of the... uh, Great buzzwords I used to have bosses tell me when I worked in this industry. See what more I can work with. Got a few other ones that are out there. Some I don't think I can say on the radio. The FCC, I think, is still pretty heavy-handed on what you can and cannot say. I mean, it's been a while. I'm just throwing that out there. No, they're still here. Okay, good. They're still around. It is the David Glenn Show. I'm Mike Maniscalco filling in for David here this afternoon. David evidently brought his golf clubs to Boone or Charlotte 
or Prestonwood. And, you know, some things, some things are more important than the job. I understand this. So it's not like uh, the season's about to start for the Carolina Hurricanes, and I don't have anything to do right about now. But when Darren Vaught calls, you pick up the phone. In this case, texts. So that's what we do. And a few things that I want you to give me the opinion on. Let's go and get right after it, because you heard the call from Jones Angel. And now, tell me why going for two wasn't the play for North Carolina, because it absolutely was. I can't go 100% certainty that this is why it's right, because there's always wiggle room. They didn't score, so they lost. So, of course, that leaves the door wide open as to why they should have kicked the extra point and continued to play. And there's a lot of good theories as to why you kick the extra point. But they're not right, not in this case, and not for North Carolina. 1-800-849-2761 is how you get through to the David Glenn Show today. It's the best and worst of the weekend. I will entertain the why you kick the extra point, but I want you to entertain why going for two was the absolute correct call because you're the unranked team and you're at home. And I'm tired now of the venue matters. No, it doesn't. The venue doesn't matter. You have a chance to throw a punch and knock out the king. You knock him out. Now, I will quote Omar from The Wire. If you take a shot at the king, you best not miss. They missed, but they took their shot. And can you tell me it's college football? Can you tell me 100% that the extra point was going to be good? You can't. You can't. You cannot tell me that. Uh, I, I would like to go back to, and I know you can't leapfrog the center anymore on extra points and kicks, but my goodness, what a play that was made by NC State against Florida State. Penalty, but, you know, kicks get missed. You see it all the time. That's a pressure-packed situation. And can you then tell me with certainty that Clemson – with I believe there was going to be a minute and a half in the ballpark. I don't have the exact timing down at the second, but it's a minute and a half just for argument's sake. You're not going to believe that Clemson, when the chips are down and with Trevor Lawrence, they're not going to be able to drive far enough to at least give them a chance to win the game at the end of regulation. Uh, If that's the case, by the way, then you absolutely hate Mac Brown going for it in the fourth quarter at fourth and one with 12 minutes and 34 seconds to go in Clemson territory, then you absolutely hate that, and that was an idiotic decision as well, which it wasn't. Mac Brown, the absolute right decision. When you're the underdog, if you can't get a yard, it's one of my all-time favorite John Madden quotes. If you can't get a yard, did you deserve to win the game? And his is, you don't deserve to win the game. That's how the actual quote goes from John Madden. But in this case... You have a chance to put all of the pressure on Clemson because the difference between being tied, if you're Clemson at 21-21 against North Carolina versus the difference between being down 22-21 is now you have to make plays. Where if you're Clemson and it's tied at 21 apiece, yeah, we'll go to overtime. We'll score in overtime. We know what we're going to do in overtime. Jay Howell in in North Carolina, can you keep up with our defense? Because our defense is going to make a play at some point in the game. And guess what? That's what happened on the two-point conversion. The Clemson defense made a play. That's it. Now, we can argue about the play call because if you're not a real true option team 
And I know that everybody's got RPOs in the playbook now and what's there. By the way, RPOs, I'm not just slanging some language around here like, hey, hey folks, I'm, uh, I'm going to tell you the skinny here. Run pass options on plays. But if, I'm, I'm glad you said I'm glad you elaborated there. Thank you. I feel like I see a, a see and hear a lot of TV and radio where RPO is just a term that's thrown out well, as if everyone understands yeah, what I, it is. And like we know, but I just I just think about the 80 or 75 percent of the audience that has no idea what they're saying man i can't tell you they're i've i've covered sports for 25 plus years and i can tell you that there's still things that are said where i'm like huh what what and plus now there's new stuff coming up where you start to age out of things and that's just it so it's not by the way if you didn't know what an rpo was it doesn't mean you're not a good fan you know if you've heard that it's just sometimes it's okay to give the explanation I didn't like that call because it seemed like it was just pure option. And that's not what Carolina does. That's not their that, – that wasn't what I was watching, right? This isn't Tommy Frazier, Nebraska, to dip in. This isn't Navy. This is a team that at least give him the opportunity to pull back and find somebody crossing on the route. By the way, E.J. Manuel on the ACC network did a marvelous job drawing up what play he would use. I can argue the play. I don't think it was. If that was the best play that Mac Brown and the Tar Heels had in their book, eh, you might want to either revamp it or think about what your best play is because that's what it is. But you're two yards away, three yards away from a chance to take the lead on a team that hadn't lost in 19 consecutive games. You take your punch. You throw it. And Carolina threw it. And you know what? Uh, my good friend Chris Patola, who is a national analyst of, of everything now, um, Chris had a great tweet this weekend, which is, so they don't win, but this is one of these things where you look back, and if you're Howell in the offense, that's the coaching staff gave us the ball, gave us the confidence, and said, go win it. And that's the thing. And, and if I have the chance to win it, I always want that opportunity. And you know what else they were going to do if they made the two-point conversion? They were giving the Tar Heel defense the chance to win the game, too. All right, go out there and now stop them. So, for me, the absolute right call to go for it if you're North Carolina. But if you think that's one of the worst things of the weekend, the number is 1-800-849-2761. There were some good things in Tallahassee for NC State and a lot of things that I know that State fans would like to forget about. But we'll have to talk about them. And Joe Giglio from the News and Observer will join us next to break those down here on the David Glenn Show. Gary Player joining us. This morning I did 1,300 sit-ups and crunches. Wow. I pushed 300 pounds with my legs and I ran on the treadmill. You are one of the legends of golf and you've been an inspiration as a person as well. What a nice compliment and God bless America. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Mike Maniscalco in for DG this afternoon. Just a one-off as David, you know, he's an attorney, and I'm pretty sure he might be in California right now. Just saying, helping Ed O'Bannon, breaking that cash. Uh, We know who is in Tallahassee this weekend from the News and Observer covering the NC State Wolfpack as he does an always exceptional job doing that. This is the first time I've ever 
had Joe Giglio on as a guest. I'm actually excited about this. Joe, uh, thanks for joining me here this afternoon on the David Glenn Show. And uh, when you look at what happened in Tallahassee on, on Saturday night, what was your main takeaway for the NC State Wolfpack? Mike, first of all, I am glad to join you. Thank you for having me. It does, doesn't seem right that this is the first time you and I have I agree. played radio together. But I appreciate you, man. <laughs> Thank you, Joe, and that feeling is mutual. Uh, but but like, uh, like I asked, you were down there. That was a game where it, it kind of felt like the Wolf Pack could have taken it over, and they didn't. So what's the, the ultimate takeaway from Saturday night? Yeah, I think one of the things Dave Dorn said after the game was, and one of those kind of obvious points is you have to make plays. So NC State had a chance in the first half to take a 14-3 lead. They ended up kicking two field goals instead. And I bring this up because you look at Florida State in the second quarter and Tamari and Terry takes a seven-yard slant and turns it into a 43-yard touchdown. If you ask me, NC State's biggest problem right now is who are those players who could turn, you know, a four- or five-yard gain into a 40-yard touchdown against ACC competition? And I'm not sure... There's an obvious answer there. I think Jordan Houston and Bam Knight are probably the answer, um, but they're running backs. And NC State, you know, while it has a track record of being successful or of knowing how to use their running backs in space so far, that hasn't been the case for them this year. Well, the, the one thing for me, and I think it was the one that jumped off the page early too, Joe, is Matt McKay – Starts the game, goes three for seven, 20 yards. Dave Dorn, after the game, says, you know, he's not hitting the deep stuff and he's not hitting the underneath stuff. So he turns to Bailey Hockman. Do we have a, a question mark now, if you're the Wolfpack, as to who we turn to to be our quarterback from here on out, or is it just an open competition from here on out? Well, I think Matt had his turn. And I think Dave pretty much made that clear in the post game. The question, which I don't think they were planning on, obviously, because Devin Leary wasn't going to play yeah. until Bailey Hockman just took way too many hits in the second half there. Well, here comes Devin Leary for a final drive, and yeah, maybe it's garbage, and maybe it's um, against the prevent defense or, or whatever you want to call it. But that kid comes in, he, he completes four or five passes, and he's throwing lasers. Like, he just looked different. Uh, obviously in a small sample size. And this is one of those where you have fans clamoring for a certain player, and then that certain player gets in and he looks pretty good. And now you have to wonder, um, you know, I, and I didn't think Bailey was bad. I didn't think he was great, but I didn't think he was bad. I think he took more chances downfield. I thought he, I thought he played, a, what would you call like a perfectly acceptable game? Sure. But when you're NC State and you've had an NFL quarterback for, um, you know, 11 of the last 12 years, you you tend to judge things a little bit differently than, say, um, you know, pick another ACC school because none of them have that track record of being able to produce NFL talent at that position. So, to me, that was the interesting part was they, they had seen what they've seen in practice, which, you know, you have to respect the coach and their – what they see in practice, but there's also an element there where you have to wonder the lights came on and I thought Devin Larry looked pretty good. Now the question is, what do you do? You have an open date before they play Syracuse on Thursday night. So you have some time to figure it out. You know, in this situation, it's, it's fair to be critical of Dave for 
the second half of the West Virginia game, that was probably the time to experiment with Hockman and Leary. And he's just kind of a game behind, if you ask me, uh, where they probably should be if they were going to be intent on seeing what their other two quarterbacks could do, which is certainly within their right. But does the open date for the Wolfpack give Dave Dorn and, and the offensive coaching staff at least a little bit of that leeway to say, all right, let, let's see what Devin Leary can do if we give him more reps during practice and feel more comfortable starting him against. I mean, let's face it, this isn't – Syracuse is all right, but it isn't this Syracuse juggernaut that would be coming into Carter Finley on Thursday night. No, and, you know, if you take a half a step back, I think this season for Dave was about identifying who their quarterback was going forward. Um, to me – Larry Fedora's biggest mistake in those two years where they had a, a losing team was that he didn't figure out who his guy was post-Mitch post Trubisky going forward. That's what those two years should have been for. I think Dave's in a similar situation. You're in a, you know, they weren't going to win the ACC this year. They, they probably weren't going to win much more than seven games, in my opinion, either way. But there were fans who had hopes of, of a bigger season. But I, to me, this season was always about Let's get this right because, in you know, in two years, these younger guys are going to be – you'll be in a similar, similar situation as you were in 2017 and 18 where you have a veteran group with some NFL talent. And you want to make sure you have the right quarterback. So, to me, that's – I think you're right. You go through this week. You go through the Syracuse game. Heck, you go through the second half of the season. And, you, and don't forget, you've got four games to figure out what Ty Evans might look like. Yeah. Um, but that's, to me, what the goal of this season is, is just to say, all right, this is our guy going forward, and this is how we feel, and we feel good about where we're going with the direction of the program. On the same side, you can't throw out the, the explosive plays that Florida State got on offense in the passing game, but that first quarter, that defense was all over Florida State's offense. Is there at least you look at the defensive side of the ball and say there's enough there when we keep talking about this season and building that – this is going to be a team that can get dangerous if they get some consistency on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, and I, coaches hate when you talk about injuries, but yep. Nick McLeod's probably the most important player on their defense. We saw that last year when he missed Syracuse game and um, Syracuse threw for more than 400 yards and looked like you know the 89 Niners. Like, when you're NC State and you don't have a ton of depth, it's important that your experienced players are there and I think they miss Nick because they do a lot of different uh, man coverage schemes and, and leave a guy to that um, wide side of the field on their guy, on, on the other team's best receiver. And, and Kamari and Terry, twice, was just had what I call, you know, hey, my guy's better than your guy, you know? And, and sometimes you make those plays, and I think that's what Dave was kind of getting at, yeah. was, you know, when you get into this Syracuse, Boston College, Wake Forest, well, throw Wake Forest out for whatever reason with NC State, <laughs> but when you get into these coin toss games in the ACC, you know, that's how the game is decided, right? My guy makes a play, and, you know, it's a, it's a one score, you know, a 10-point game, 10-point win. And I think if the kid doesn't fumble at the end of this one, it's 31-20, which was my exact prediction last week. I had to pump that real quick. Uh, Rick, just to make myself feel better, and I hope you understand me throwing that in there. Uh, if you don't, um, if you don't pat yourself on the back, who's going to, Joe? Nobody will. Nobody. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but no, but again, it's a it's a uh, you know two score ten point eleven point yep. game, and you're going back and you're going okay. Well, who made the plays? And I think that's really where NC State needs to figure out. Well, who's going to make the plays for? 
All right. Well, let's go with an overall theme this weekend, and I know you saw it. Carolina goes for two against Clemson. Like it, love it, hate it. What was your thought watching it? Absolutely, 100% love it. Because if I told you your life depended on making one play and you had to gain three yards, would you want the ball or would you want to be on defense? Oh, I want the ball. I think like, yeah, I think like 99.9 people are going to, maybe Brian Billick in 2000 says, no, I'll rely on my defense. You know, or Buddy Ryan in yeah. 1985 says, yeah, I'll let the other team try to score on me. Look, it's like uh, if you were given one question to pass your math, your senior year math class, you just have to answer one question. Would you be like, no, nah, I want to do 20 with 38 word problems and 25 different steps? No, you'd say, give me one question and I'll answer it. That's exactly what Mac Brown did. I didn't, I didn't love the actual call yep. of what he was trying to do. I, I think he was trying to roll Howell out and give him some different options, and I think one of them <laughs> was the actual option. Um, I, was, I would have hoped that tight end would have come under on a little dirty Sanchez action where he yeah. could have flipped it under. That would have been a brilliant call. Um, but, no, I love, I love what he did. And, l- listen, we gave, we the media, gave Tom Osborne a national championship because he went for two, and then 10 years later, he was in a tie with Penn State. And we're like, okay, we'll give it to the guy who, who you know, had the chutzpah to make it one of the greatest calls and a failed call, but one of the great yeah. calls in all of college football history. Uh, like, I, I look at that play, and I just can't figure out, Joe, why people would think everything would then go absolutely perfectly for North Carolina's defense or if it goes to overtime or, you know, you've how many missed extra points have you seen yeah. in your lifetime? I mean, it, it wasn't a given. All those were going to happen, and that's my thing. If you're going to throw the punch – you throw the punch. And uh, seeing I am a little bit removed from all of the college football uh, goings-ons, what, what's happened to Virginia Tech, or is it Duke is really that good where they can go up to a place where nobody went for night games and put a thumping on the Hokies the way that Duke did? You got a double whammy at Virginia Tech. You have a talent drain in the program, and, which obviously is going to be a problem. And then you have players who have tuned out a coach. And you can't have both. Uh, one's going to kill you. Both is going to leave you in a situation where you lose by 35 points. Not only that, on your home field at night. Not only that, they're running fake punts on you and putting your face in it. Yeah. So, you know, um, I don't know what Fuente did to, to cut, but obviously there was a message involved in that. And I, I'm, I'm laughing a smidge at it because I covered Duke way back when. I actually covered Virginia Tech's very first ACC game and they they pummeled Duke. Yep. And I tweeted like if you had told me that day, like you could have shown Biff could have come to me in the DeLorean and showed me the the almanac, <laughs> and I would have been like, no, no, that didn't happen. You know. Uh, so uh, it was stunning. And, and but let's give Duke credit too, yeah. in the sense that this is what I don't understand. Same thing you can apply to Wake Forest. Like, don't you understand if you have a smart coach, you're like. You're going to win most of the games against other teams with commensurate talent. Yeah. But when you, you know, Duke's problems are when they find a Clemson, when they find an Alabama. Yeah. When they play everybody else, they, they pretty much have a, a coin toss chance of winning because of him and because of how well they are prepared. And, and the bit they minimize mistakes. You know, you watch that NC State Florida State game Saturday night, and both teams are making mistakes just left and right. And you're like, guys, if you just cut out some of these mistakes, you'd be amazed how many of these, you know, Syracuse. Boston College games that you win just because you don't you make fewer mistakes than the other team. 
Joe, this took far too long for this to happen. I, uh, I'm glad that we finally got to talk a little football and talk here on the radio. Play the radio for a while. Now that I'm out of it, I can actually right, just play radio. Joe, thanks so much. You got it, Mike. He is, without a doubt, the best hair in the media, too. I mean, without a doubt. Sweater game, maybe. Hair, definitely. Uh, we've got Cam in Greenville, Mike and Raleigh to get. Can I, I'm gonna. I don't. I'm gonna pretend I don't know how radio works anymore. Can I squeeze in at least one caller? They indulged me. Yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll allow it. Let's go to. Let's go to Greenville. That's that's far enough away. Let's say hello to Cam. Cam, you're on the David Glenn show. Thanks for the wait. Oh, thank you. Uh, I was gonna say for my best and worst of the week. I was gonna say the best. My East Carolina Pirates finally having a winning record through five games for the first time in three years. Finally winning a road game for the first time in two years. Finally winning a road game as an underdog since we went to Blacksburg in 2014 and beat up the number 17th ranked Virginia Tech Hokies. So that's my best of the week. Mike Houston's doing a fantastic job with the situation that's been happening in East Carolina that's built up over the past three years. So I just want to give credit to the Miami Pirates football team for the best of the week. Uh, worst of the week, I would say stay. And also I would add Clemson because – after watching Clemson play at UNC, I don't believe they're the best team in college football. I think Ohio State and Alabama are clearly the best team. Yeah, I, I think. Anyways, I look, no, I you got it, Kim. I seeing you for the Carolina Hurricanes games on the TV. I love watching your interviews and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I'm enjoying listening to the rest of the show today. Oh, thank you, Kim. I greatly appreciate that. I was going to get a little interaction there, but uh, no, it's we'll end it. If Gilio can pat himself on the back, I will take all of the bouquets. Uh, I do caution ECU fans, just give Mike Houston some time. And... and let that thing build up. He's got to build it again. Uh, and But it can get there. We all know it can get there. Just let him build it. And uh, the the AP voters also agree with Ken that Clemson's not the number one team in the nation. Dabo Swinney agrees with that, too, I think, because he said something after the game. I don't know if everybody caught it, uh, which was really accurate. This program has won a lot of games the last two years, but this team hasn't. Is that a reason or an excuse? I'll let you guys sort that one out. I uh, – Hipped intern will to that one as well. Uh, we had uh, Mike and Raleigh. He's waiting. Again, do I break? I don't know. Oh, no, I just said Mike and Raleigh. Oh, fine. Mike, blame Darren Vaught. I'm trying to be the nice guy here. He's the producer. Coming up, we're going to talk about, uh, well, why do you see the exact things you see on TV when you're watching sports with a guy who has pretty much covered everything? Paul Hemming, he is the director for Fox Sports Carolinas, joins us here on The David Glenn Show. Kurt Busch is joining us, 38-year-old champion of the Daytona 500. Well, I went out with Gronk last night after uh, after we won the race. Did you really? Also, it was fun. Got about an hour's sleep. I asked him, I go, hey, when do you have to report to training camp? He goes, July. I said, well, we can't be friends because i got to <laughs> go back to racing. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Mike Maniscalco filling in for DG today. And figured we'd peel back the curtain a little bit on the TV side of things. We know it's best and worst of the weekend. But right now I bring one of the best people from Fox Sports Carolinas behind the scenes. He is the director for your Carolina Hurricanes broadcasts. And what makes him qualified for such things? Oh, I don't know, 21 seasons covering NHL hockey. He was the guy who, for the Canadian Broadcasting Company, was trusted to be the director for the 2010 Olympics, the Sidney Crosby goal, where America, by the way, did beat Canada in the prelims. I don't know. It's To me, that series was tied, but that's not for Paul Hemming, who joins us right now. By the way, he also was in charge of directing Wayne Gretzky's Hockey Hall of Fame induction. 
if that's not pressure on a Canadian to get it right, I have no idea what is. Uh, Paul, thanks for joining us here today. And uh, if, if I asked you, what's the biggest challenge that a director has trying to bring the game from the ice to TV? What is that thing for you? Uh, well, uh, the first thing I would say, Mike, is that, you know, the game is the most important thing. And when the people get home from work and they turn on their TV and they want to watch the game, they just want to see the game. Uh, you know, nowadays in broadcasting, there's all kinds of, you know, robotic cameras and specialties, you know, BTR machines and all that and everything. And you can really make a great TV production. But when it boils right down to it, you just want to show the viewer or the fan at home the game. And there's nothing more important than the game. So... For me, philosophy is just, you know, do an A-plus job on covering the game. Uh, show show the, the viewers the game they want to see it, the way they're used to seeing it, and don't mess it up. And then everything else from on top of that is gravy. Paul, does having all of those toys, though, and those cameras make it harder to direct and, and call a game, or does it make it easier? Because now you have different angles that you can bring the fans closer to the game watching on TV. Uh, yeah, it, it definitely from a director's standpoint, director and a producer standpoint, it definitely increases the, the degree of difficulty, that's for sure. Uh, but at the end of the day, you really do, you're, you're, you, you have your basic coverage, you know, um, which for me on hockey is five cameras. And then everything above that is sort of a bonus camera. It's, what it does is it just, uh, you know, it teaches you that you need to be, make quick decisions really fast on, on uh, you know, wh what, which one of those additional cameras to get to to capture, you know, the emotion of a, of a play. Um, or the reaction of a fan, or, or you know, just uh, stuff to enhance uh, the broadcast on the whistle. So it definitely doesn't increase the, the, the degree of difficulty. Like on our Carolina Hurricanes broadcast, we have anywhere between 16 to 20 cameras a night. So uh, and that's 16 to 20 different angles of the ice, of the coaches, of the players, um, of the you know, management in the press box, all that. And so, yeah, it definitely... Uh, it's, definitely, it's, like, um, it's like playing your favorite video game at the highest level for two and a half, three hours, for sure. He's Paul Hemming, and he's just taking us into playing Halo as far as directing. Is Halo still a thing? <laughs> it's Fortnite now. Let's go Fortnite for the kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Hemming, director for Fox Sports Carolina, is joining us here on the David Glenn Show, taking us behind all of the cameras. You mentioned the producer and for the Carolina Hurricanes uh, and Fox. That would be Jim Malia, who uh, has to help tell the story. We all talk about the team on the ice, but how important is it to have a team and have that dynamic and that relationship for what you guys are doing where you got to get on the same page during a game? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you, know, we, uh, you know, the broadcast uh, team, uh, let's call it that, is basically the fourth team uh, in the arena every night. There's the home team, the visiting team, the team of officials on ice, and then the broadcasters, and we really are a team. And, I mean, the job that, that, that Jim and I do in terms of preparation and, uh, you know, it, it would rival that of what probably Rod and the coaching staff is doing as well, too. We, we have to know every little, we have to know what's going to happen in the game as well or better than the players and the coaches do because it's up to us in, li in a live TV situation to react in real time to, you know, to show what a team's doing, you know, especially on a power play or, or penalty kill or, you know, um, so, yeah. It, it is you have to prepare for it like you would prepare for a game. It's as close to being in the game as you can be without being in the game. All right. As you mentioned, you're trying to tell the game and show that story to the fans as the director for a sports broadcast. But, Paul, do you have a story that you can share where you're like, you know, it looked all right, but behind the scenes it was an absolute fire drill for us. We just got it on the air. Well, I've had a couple of uh, – uh, Hall of Fame stories. Uh, I, I direct uh, for 16 years. I directed the IHF uh, World Under 20 
hockey championships, which is better known as the World Juniors. So these are the players that have just been drafted by the NHL teams, and they represent their countries. And we had a situation where we were, we were in Russia in 2001, and, uh, you know, we, we did all our preparation. We, you know, had all, all our, you know, everything was, we were ready to go. And on game day, we show up at the arena, and the Russians have locked us out of the arena. And they're holding us, they're holding uh, our entry into the building to do our broadcast for ransom. So this was on, like, Boxing Day of 2001. We had to come up with X number of dollars of U.S. cash that had to be provided to the Russian uh, Ice Hockey Federation, or they were not going to let us in to do our broadcast. Now, typically, we're in many hours, you know, 10, 12 hours before the game. Production crew will get there six or seven. We got in three hours before the game mounted our cameras, and were able to get the, 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 the show on it. But that was the one time where I thought, you know, you always have, you know, you wake up in a cold sweat in a nightmare thinking, you know, we're not going to get to air today. This is the day it doesn't happen. That, for me, was the day I thought it was going to not happen, but it did happen. Paul Hemming, that's that's a walk-off story right there, my friend. And, and as you know, when you work with talent like John Forslund and Trip Tracy and Shane Willis and then some guy who's your, your pregame show host, I mean, that makes life easy. <laughs> Paul, we got a break, but I'm glad we could get you on and glad we could get a Russian mafia story out of here go. as well. Yeah. Chopper, yeah, I, uh, I, that's his nickname. Chopper, thank you so much for the time. You got it. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. <laughs> there he is. And he didn't call me Rig. Like, that's a, I didn't know he actually knew my first name was Mike. Uh, that's Paul Hemming. Coming up, we've got the best and worst of the weekend to get to here on the David Glenn Show. Rob Schneider joining us on the David Glenn Show. When they try to have three days of the NFL draft on TV, my friends said, hey, you going to watch the NFL draft? That's like getting excited about a strip club that's still under construction. <laughs> like you see that building over there in a couple of months? There's going to be some breasts in there. You're listening to The David Glenn Show.